Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, welcome back. So, uh, been a couple days since I did my last podcast, as well as my last, you know, update on this kind of coronavirus and all the things kind of surrounding that. That's, you know, this, this, this podcast, this, uh, YouTube channel could almost just be called, you know, coronavirus central. And it has been that way since, you know, uh, January 21st, when I kind of first started talking about it. And so, and for good reason, obviously, I think that should be obvious to everyone, you know, occasionally the comment and I'll see it plenty in the media, you know, this is not all that worse than just the flu. I don't know what people are worried about, et cetera. And, and I mean, to that, I reply with, I mean, as so many other people have, you know, with the seasonal flu, schools are rarely closed, right? Rarely are travel bans put into place. Rarely do you see, um, multiple members of of a single you know country's government die and of course i'm referring to iran here die from the flu in in the span of like a week or two right rarely do you see in the case of the i can't remember if this was eric townsend or chris martinson that brought this up but rarely rarely do you see uh, a cruise ship in this case the one off of san francisco have test kits lifted in by black hawk helicopter and by rarely, I mean, in that case, you never see anything of these happen. Any of this happens, really, with the exception of maybe an occasional school closure in the case of, of major, you know, strep throat or, or seasonal flu outbreaks. This isn't the flu. The statistics don't bear that out either. The, the fatality rate, the severity rate. I mean, that's the other thing that people have to pay attention to is, you know, right now, you know, case fatality is at 2%. Is it 3.4%? Is it higher? Is it lower? Uh, what about these different strains? But what about also just the, the amount of cases that are classified as, as serious or critical? The amount of people that need a hospital bed, most likely, or the people that potentially need an ICU bed, uh, oxygen, supplementation, uh a ventilator, things of that nature, uh, what percentage of people need that? And that's what's really interesting to me because uh, what ultimately you'll see is is when um, when a healthcare system is, is overloaded by cases from whatever, of course, in this case, COVID-19, this coronavirus, what you'll see is uh, the, the fatality rate go up relative to one where it's not overwhelming the healthcare system and the hospitals, because the serious, the number of patients that are classified as serious or critical, needing a hospital bed or a ventilator or an ICU room or antibiotics or, or oxygen or whatever is exceeding what a hospital or a hospital system can provide. And for a lot of them, that might be life or death. I mean, ventilators are basically a, you know, a key part of life support. You know, oxygen is I don't know, pretty important, as are antibiotics and and uh, just general you know, monitoring of it, um, x-rays of, of you know, the thoracic region. I mean, all these things are pretty important to keep people alive, right? And and so this isn't just the flu. That's why I've been, been really harping on this subject for, for weeks and weeks now. Uh, and, and I think that's really being borne out. I mean, needless to say, this is hardly just a Chinese 
problem anymore. That hasn't really been the case for several, several weeks. I think from day one, uh, for me, from day one, it was apparent that this could potentially be a global issue. And you know, back then I was kind of hesitant, but you know, this could be big. This could be big. You know, from day one, and, and I wasn't the only one, right? And a lot of that was just based on the great work and, and, and whatnot and analysis of other people. But I think by now it should be clear that this is pretty serious. I mean, you don't, again, with the seasonal flu, you don't see a 50 to 80% drop in the economic activity of the second largest economy in the world, China, right? You don't see record low PMI numbers, uh, major probably drop in, in GDP for quarter one and, and beyond that. Uh, so so let's put that to rest. This is worse than the flu. This is life or death for a lot of people. And it's certainly a lot of these actions I think are warranted, right? Because I get it. You're, you're in your 20s like me, your 30s or 40s. You're in good health. You don't have comorbidities. Well, yeah, I mean, even if the healthcare system's overloaded, your death, your, your chance of dying is still probably pretty low. But uh, first of all, I'm not taking chances. Second of all, as I said before, and many other people have said before, I tend to think elderly people, people with pre-existing conditions or risk factors, I think they contribute a fair bit to society, right? And even if they don't, they're humans. I mean, come on now, people, right? Does, does uh, you know, the health status or, or where somebody lives, a nursing home versus their own house, or does that take away from their own, you know, intrinsic value as a human being? I don't think so. I, I know that that doesn't. That's not the case. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's not a huge deal for you, but what about your parents, grandparents, or, or even people in your own age cohort that maybe have comorbidities, have pre-existing health conditions that may contribute to this? And that's the other thing that's really been interesting I, I want to talk about here for a second. Pre-existing health conditions. Time and time again, here in the United States, you'll, you'll, and this, again, contributes to that idea. This is nothing worse than the flu. I don't have to worry about it because I don't fall into that category. Uh, time and time again, we'll see, especially early on in a country such as the United States, reports of uh, fatalities, people, people dying from the coronavirus and and oftentimes it's then followed by you know such and such, uh, you know their age, which sometimes is like 80s or 90s, sometimes 60s, 70s, or younger than that. They, and then it says you know they have pre, they did have pre-existing health conditions. Rarely though, unless you're looking at case studies uh, or other more detailed uh, examples, rarely are, are more is more information given. And I think that kind of contributes to this idea of well. I don't have what I would consider pre-existing health conditions, so that doesn't apply to me. But rarely are, are those specific conditions specified, right? Are we talking, you know, pretty severe COPD, emphysema, you know, just pulmonary dysfunction? Were they a lifelong smoker, right? Uh, those types of things. Are they, you know, morbidly obese, or do they have a whole host of conditions that, that is maybe common in somebody uh, that, you know, 80 or 90 plus years old? Maybe. I, I think those people are obviously at high risk. But, but you know, what is sort of the cutoff for the media or health organizations to report that they had pre-existing health conditions? Does obesity qualify as that? Because obesity, you know, based on BMI, is, is anything over a BMI of, of 30, which... You know, there's a lot of people walking around that I wouldn't say is like 
wow, it's not like, it's not like they're grossly overweight and not grossly like that's gross, but just like significantly overweight. Like just as people age, it, you know, they have slightly higher levels of body fat and whatnot. I mean, does that qualify? How about something as simple as hypertension, which is extremely common, right? And, and in many cases that sits on somebody's medical record, you know, hypertension, it's treated, it's under control, but it may sit on their medical record anyways as having hypertension. Does that count? Does, you know, a whole host of, you know, do they, asthma, does that count? Does, um, you know, a heart arrhythmia, do, and those things are all extremely common in people that may not come to mind when you think of pre-existing health conditions, right? That's, I think, a really important thing to, to consider. But anyways, kind of back to the summary of what's been going on. I mean, in terms of the spread, it's it's really out of control. And I think in many places, first of all, it's it continues to be limited by lack of testing. That's certainly apparent for the United States, apparent for, I think, a lot of other countries around the world. Obviously, these huge countries that have very few tests, uh, despite their proximity to, to China, very few confirmed cases, importantly. Um, countries like Malaysia and Vietnam and Thailand and India and the Philippines and Indonesia, I mean, all North Korea, all pretty low. And of course, Central Asian countries, some of the Stan countries, um, a lot of, of, of Middle Eastern countries, you know, uh, just not really testing for it a whole lot. I mean, you see it from time to time. I mean, like Iraq, 35 cases, two fatalities. Part of that's probably because of their proximity to, to Iran, which has a pretty large known outbreak, massive, I think, known outbreak in terms of percentage of population might be on scale with maybe the height of the Chinese outbreak, which I hesitate, I hesitate to say that China's is, is completely being scaled back. And certainly I don't buy any of their numbers. Um, but even, you know, a lot of Western or just European countries in general, Western European or European countries, you know, they continue to tick up. Norway, 101, Belgium, 109, uh, the UK, 116, Spain, 296, France, 423, Germany, 639, and of course, Italy, 4,636. This is from bnonews.com, by the way. Yeah, I mean, Germany, France, Spain, those are three countries that in terms of their case count is looking a lot like where Italy was not all that long ago. And and of course, a week from now, they're going to be, you know, in the thousands, most likely right? Um, South Korea, of course, continues to, to see it rise. But but with a country like South Korea, yes, they've been testing a ton. But but you wonder how much of that, you know, leveling off of how much is increasing each day is based on uh, mitigation and how much of it is based on maybe not super widespread testing, you know, and at, at what point does, you know, uh, testing sort of limit out, you know, for instance, for the United States, that limit is still pretty low the limit of how many tests we can run a day the cdc actually stopped reporting and actually a lot of organizations have or will kind of move to doing their tests on their own because hey the cdc has been super strict with who they're going to test and who they're not going to test and they've dropped the ball maybe as badly as as the who has i think um but but again then there's those countries that just don't really test at all unless you know like when when for instance india you know india had a cluster of a bunch of people that I think had been exposed to or had been around uh, somebody that came from Italy, which has been a very common place for, for people to contract it from, you know, second, maybe only to, to China and maybe South Korea, right? And, and maybe Iran. Those those three are all, you know, spreading a lot of these cases. And that's great and all. They caught it. But, but it's...
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply because it was easy to catch right they they had a you know a passport they they were in the country and they were sort of a tracked entity it wasn't somebody that was a resident resident of india uh, uh that maybe not be under as as strict or or any screening for for symptoms right and and you see that in a lot of these countries they're like hey we caught ca- cases you know don't worry this, by the way, was a case that was imported from Iran or Italy or South Korea. It's like, great, you caught it. But first of all, I mean, can you say definitively they didn't spread it to anyone? And second of all, are you only really screening and looking for those imported cases? I mean, I hope that epidemiologists and doctors in, in, and policymakers in India aren't so naive to think that, that that's the only cases they have right now. I'm sure there's a ton that haven't been looked at because they, they haven't traveled recently. And, and only loosely, you know, is that chain connected to, but of course, at some point connected to somebody that actually traveled, you know, from China or, or wherever else. There's also talk now about the second strain of this coronavirus, one of which is, is more deadly than the other. And, and this is, I don't know, sort of up in the air for me. I don't know what to believe about it. Yeah, Yes, obviously, I believe there's two different strains, distinct strains. I mean, each you know, generation is probably slightly distinct from the last, but but more distinct in terms of how it's expressed and spread and, and, and the symptoms and the severity and all that. Two distinct ones. And, and, you know, maybe that could explain kind of the discrepancy in deaths uh, from, from somewhere like Italy, which has almost 200 deaths and, and for a little over 4,600 cases. And South Korea, which has 42 deaths, and, and almost 6,600 cases. Or is it just because South Korea is testing more? And it's so hard to say at this point. But that risk for mutation, I think, remains very high. Risk for deadly mutation. Again, it, it's been around for six... It's been longer than six weeks now. It's been widespread, pretty widespread in, in China since, you know, mid to early January. It started, you know, probably back in, in December, November, October, you know, somewhere in that time period. Uh, but in that time span, it's it's developed a, a more deadly and, and a slightly less deadly or less severe, less transmissive strain. But that's just one country, right? I mean, the way it works is in theory, you know, if you have a larger and larger population, more opportunities for it to, to mutate and then spread those mutations on, those meaningful mutations that, that change how the, the sickness or the illness is, is expressed, how the virus is, you know, how it affects people that probably increases, right? And of course it can go both ways, less severe as well, but you know, that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I, I want to talk about the economy and the markets here in a second, but before we get to that, um, I'm going to invite you all to, to go, go to your kitchen and, and, you know, open up your drawer, or your cabinet, wherever you keep, uh, some tinfoil, make yourself a hat, put it on, because we're going to kind of move into the tinfoil hat realm here. Um, and, and I said, you know, jokingly, I'm talking about sort of one of my own potential theories and it's nothing more than that. It's nothing more than speculation. Uh, but, but looking at China, you know, there's a lot of speculation about what is the death rate on this? What is the case fatality rate on this? 
because South Korea and Iran and Italy all are moving targets and, and the amount that they're actually testing is, is unclear. And the amount of deaths that some of those countries are reporting is, is probably inaccurate, right? But of course, this was sort of originated in China as far as we know. And, and China was even and continues to be even more opaque. You know, at this point, they, they report, you know, a couple hundred new cases and that's it. And, and, and you know, a few dozen more, more deaths. But it's just so peculiar and, and, and obviously not accurate, Right, they're just giving us feeding us bogus numbers at this point, as far as I'm concerned. With that being said, if we're you know if we're going to presume that in reality China and, and their government somewhere somehow has a more accurate count of the amount of deaths, and of course you know all their details like this amount of people that need hospitalization, you know, serious or critical cases, you know, what percentage, the amount of deaths and the total amount of cases. Let's say, hypothetically, they they have a rough estimate of that. Let's say China, you know, their official estimate of deaths is 3,000, but that's nowhere near the total, right? We, we see these reports of morgues just working 24-7, uh, cre- cremation, actually, cre- cremators, you know, not just morgues, but working 24-7, you know, a whole bunch of body bags lined up, uh, um, Less and less of that coming out now is trying to kind of crack down on it. But but let's say, and, and of course, you know, it's just not Wuhan, but elsewhere. Let's say that they, they've been lying about it all along, as many people have suggested, including myself. But let's say that, you know, they had a decent, you know, they weren't able to catch every case or every death. But let's say they have a pretty decent feel for how many people are actually infected. The real number, the the for, for Chinese government eyes and, and spies eyes only, number of deaths and and cases when it's all said and done uh china is let's say let's say it it works out like this they lied about the deaths they lied about the cases and it looks like not that big big of a deal in china let's say hypothetically in a different world based on different numbers half a percent case fatality rate based on totally made up numbers out of china and but then it spreads and, and in India, you see 5% and 2% in South Korea and, and 2 and a half in the United States. And just throw numbers out there that may be more representative of it. And, and, but, but the sequencing shows that it's relatively similar. We would be rightfully asking ourselves, like, wait a second. So China had an opportunity to warn us about how deadly this was. And instead, they most, almost are certainly fudging these numbers. I mean, statistically, it's just almost impossible for, for such a low rate to happen in China. So bear with me here. Such a low rate of deaths in China. They're, they're fudging these numbers. And that would be something that China would eventually have to deal with. It'd be a lot of lack of trust in their society, but also, you know, the who. They would, they would have to deal with all that. And I, I don't think they want to deal with that, right? They're maybe not a huge fan of the who. A lot of people aren't with myself but but do they want to estrange themselves from the who as well as a lot of governments that would be like wait a second you could have warned us you fed us bogus numbers you fed your own society bogus numbers you hid deaths left and right for the sake of what political stability social stability that's wrong right there'd be huge outcry against it and whatnot so what if again tinfoil hat i hope it's been made put together uh by now um what if China has that real number, a rough estimate of cases and fatalities? And they figured out 
that one of two things that they have to consider. First of all, they know based on the current data what the case fatality rate is. And second of all, they know based on the SARS epidemic that as the SARS epidemic progressed and as fewer people are infected, the the case fatality rate went up because fewer and pe- fewer people were being infected, fewer confirmed cases, but uh, there was an increasing amount of deaths as those that have had it for a week, two weeks, three weeks plus continue to die. And, and long story short, for a while, it looked like, hey, this is maybe like three, four, five percent. And when it's all said and done, it was like a 10 percent case fatality rate. What if China, with their numbers that they're modeling, that they're just throwing out there, I think totally bogus, um, is trying to emulate that same thing? Do you see what I'm saying here? Maybe these numbers out of China in terms of total cases and total deaths, totally bogus, but the rate of fatalities, maybe they're on, maybe that's actually sort of accurate. And again, tinfoil hat, I'm just spitballing here. No evidence whatsoever to support this. But again, as I said before, maybe there's a reason that they're giving it somewhat accurate number with that. And as we've seen over time in China, that case fatality rate has slowly ticked up as they report fewer confirmed cases, but actually still quite a few deaths, which would make sense. You know, if you're going to, if your experience, your model is a SARS epidemic, and that's sort of what you want to make this look like just much worse, but, but same trajectory that it's burning out, then maybe you would use that as a model. Just an idea. Tinfoil hat, but boy, I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar case fatality rate in countries with a similar caseload and, and similar healthcare system. Uh, final thing I want to talk about quickly here, uh, financial news. I mean, the market's again down today, uh, down, I believe, on the week. It's been all over the place after the Fed rate cut and, and of course, a ton of other easing that they've instituted. You know, name of the game lately has been fiscal stimulus, uh, fiscal spending to, to slow the spread of it. Um, and, of course, precious metals. Uh, I'll start by saying this. Gold's been doing great. Silver has not. I think it's a new record high, or at least you'd have to go a long ways into the past to find the last time the the gold to silver ratio was this high, like 95, 96 to 1, maybe even higher right now as I speak. So what I'm seeing right now is, is a lot of, relative to gold, a lot of value in silver. Now, granted, they could both go down in, in the short to medium term, as some have suggested, if we're really heading into a major bear market in equities, a recession, we could see that happen much like we did in 2018, or sorry, 2008. It's hard to say. Um, but certainly I think that ratio is going to come down significantly. I think there's a lot of value in silver right now. And stocks, I don't know. There's a lot of systemic risk now. And I think it's too early to say that there's any value in, in stocks, except for maybe certain sectors, Right. Uh, but, but broadly speaking, I think this market has a long ways to go to the downside. And hey, how about that 0.7% 10-year yield, yield on the 10-year treasury? Pretty crazy, especially when you consider that, you know, that that signifies really a, an exponential, a major increase in the price of those bonds. But anyways, as always, I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into today's podcast and God bless.